Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the backcountry to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you faced, or where you want to go next, we're right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. You, my friends, are about to jump into another episode of the Her Inspired Journey podcast with three of my absolute favorite ladies when it comes to mom life, the outdoors, hunting, adventures, all the things. These women are incredible. I'm talking about April Cooper, Amy Hartwig, and Chrissy Haynox. These three ladies are just truly women I look up to when it comes to handling business in the outdoors. They're knowledgeable. They've got skills. They have awesome harvests. They are helping their little ones kind of navigate their journey into being a hunter and being an outdoorsman as well. And it's a great conversation. We all got to get together over at my house. We shared some mule deer and elk burgers. We had some wine and we just got to catch up the Uh, main reason that we got on this podcast was to talk about harvest stories from the last year. Um, Amy shot her first bull. Chrissy shot an absolutely amazing mule deer buck over in central Oregon. And it's a really fun conversation, but we kind of jump right into talking about a very hot topic that is specifically women in the outdoors. We cover a little bit of the, the huntress topic and just talk about our journeys and in getting into, into hunting when we were younger and, you know, our experiences with it and how things have changed over time with the influence of social media. And as more women get on board with hunting and being providers and conservationists, it's nice to just introduce that topic. We all have a very similar opinion But I think just like you might have your own approach to how you identify if you use the coin phrase huntress, or if you don't, if you absolutely hate it, it all gets kind of broke down in this very first discussion that we have. So we're going to jump right in. You kind of hear the tape roll out as we're finishing up a conversation about Amy's buck that she shot just a couple days ago and how online people were kind of chewing on her a little bit about how she did it and her methods and her tactics and where she was. And it just goes to show that women have so much uh, backlash and there's so many different ways that we have to stand up for ourselves. And I know some people choose to just live their life and not worry about other people. I'm very different. I don't necessarily worry about the judgment of other people. However, I feel a call to engage with them and to educate other people as much as possible. And anytime I have an anti-hunter or a non-hunter or a negative comment on a harvest, myself included, or from a, a friend or follower or client or whatever, I I want to engage with them because I think that there's a really good opportunity for um, constructive education to happen. And I think sometimes if we're on the topic of women in the outdoors or predator hunting or you know, high fence or free range or whatever the case may be. There's so many different ways that we can help to educate others who may not necessarily know why we do what we do or how it works or why predator management is so important. Or if you want to identify or tag yourself as a huntress, that's great. We all, I think, have a unified message of 
it doesn't matter what it looks like or what the phrase is or what category something falls into. We all stand unified in the fact that we are passionate about the outdoors. We love what we do. And I think that you will definitely get that point across here in the first part of this podcast. Enjoy. That you're kind of up against. Like, I think that that's, mm-hmm. that's worth talking about. Well, you know? and just the exact scenario that you got on that forum. You know, well, and you know, it's that five kind of stigma. Well, that goes even two it. years ago, it would have really like, it would have like, ticked me off. But now I just go, oh, it's just just the era that in the the industry that we live in, and you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, um, you just move forward, and you don't worry about what other people think. So, but there is definitely a big stigma attached to women still in this industry. I think. Oh, for sure. You know, if, if you shoot something, it's like, oh, who helped you get that? Or or if you I shoot... I bet your boyfriend or your husband yeah. really yeah. shot that. Yeah. Right. Or right. if you shoot something big, like, oh, they definitely shoot you. Oh, they just walked you out there and you shot yeah. it, right? Like, it you, you couldn't have possibly fence. worked for that. Right. Right. <laughs> Lucky shot. Lucky shot. Lucky <laughs> shot. April and I have been the... <laughs> Benefits of lucky, lucky shots, shots quite a bit. 800 yards. Sure. <laughs> yeah, 750 yard l- lucky There's shot. a reason I archery hunt. I don't make, I don't make 800 yards. You wouldn't believe how many people, though, ask me how far my shot was. Like, how, how, how far was your shot on that deer? Does it matter? Does it matter? I can drive ta- tax at 50 yards or 20 yards. Why does it matter? Like, I, I, will I can always, shoot at 60. I'd rather shoot a buck at 10. I will always <laughs> shoot the buck under 20 if yeah. I can. Because why not lessen yeah. the risk? It's kind of like people that like to hear that you packed it five miles out of the backcountry as opposed to... Oh, I did. died on the side of a road. It was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I walked a mule pack it four and a half uh, miles while I rode my horse. Right? <laughs> it's fantastic. Could I have done it? Yes. But why but should I? But I didn't have to. to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have glorious friends not. like the Coopers <laughs> yeah. who have mules. <laughs> and strapping and young boys. Yeah, I would strapping have young boys who are eager to pack. <laughs> I it, just hunt. It goes on and on and on. I just hunt. <laughs> so, what was it, two weeks ago, Blood Origins crew came in to do the documentary. And they're just a fabulous group of people. Like, I just really enjoyed the stories that they had, the, the connections that they you know, experience, just all the things. We're just really cool with them. Um, and we just got to sit around and talk by the fire and just, just kind of swap hunting backgrounds and all this kind of stuff. But one of the very first questions that Robbie asked me was, are you a huntress? And I said, I don't know. You tell me what, cause what does that mean? We all have this, we're there we get to formulate our own stereotypes or opinions or bias to things, anything. Right. So I said, I don't know. Am I, that's not something that I identify myself with. I said, but I also don't, there's only a, now a negative connotation because of how it's been represented. Because before that, you know, I don't know six years ago, five years ago, before there was a face to that, it was like, Oh, that's, you know, it is what it is. Like we didn't really, I, I didn't think like, Oh, I'm, I am or I'm not a huntress, you know, and now because we've seen a lot of how that can be represented, we're like, nope, that's not how I identify. You know what I mean? 
But um, it was very interesting to hear that perspective. And, and I said, it's such an unfair question because we don't go around asking men how they identify with this tradition or this heritage that they have. We don't ask them to justify or associate with a specific term. They don't have to defend themselves. They don't have to be grouped into something that they have to stand up to to some degree because we're all a part of that category because we're females and we hunt. Well, what is a huntress definition? I don't know. You tell me. A woman who hunts, by definition, is just a woman who hunts. That's got a negative connotation mostly because of social media and people's viewpoints of women who take on the handle or whatever of huntress, you know, but really it's just a woman hunter. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. how you want to identify, I don't care how you identify. If you love doing what you're doing, you're doing it in an ethical way. You're, you're, you're doing it to make yourself happy. Who, why does it matter how you identify? It's in the representation. Right. right? Which we, well, but I've actually had other women say to me, Oh, I would never identify as a huntress. Why? Just because who because now it has a bad connotation. Right. Right. But why do you care what other people think? Mm-hmm. Do it for the right reasons. Do it because you love it. And don't worry about what other people think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's great advice because you know, there's a lot of women out there who some of them love the coined phrase. And that's fine. And you're going out there and you're getting... It doesn't matter to me what you consider yourself as. Until that stereotype is really heavily leaned in the other direction with this very negative connotation. And then we all have to start trying to, deliberately or not, we all are grouped into this and now we all feel like we have to fight our way out of it. You know, because every woman in this room is capable of doing all of it on their own from start to finish. But there aren't many people from the outside looking in, whether it matters to us or not, that will appreciate that. That's a bummer. Or believe it. And that that's a bummer. Like, that's a really big bummer. And that's not something that we're ever going to get over, I don't think. And I, mean, I, I mean, you have to make the decision, like, do you care? No, I mean, get over, like, as a societal thing. No. Like, it, we can be so far advanced and we can have all these decisions and we can be given so many rights and we can have bathrooms for you name <laughs> it. But we can't be recognized as an equal player in in the outdoors. I it's certainly just... don't see it in our lifetime. <laughs> well, I think there I think there are a a big number of people who do. Like the the people that really matter. Like the people in the outdoor industry, Chrissy and I have been there. We've seen the people that really, really matter, respect us and, and understand that we can do what we do and we don't need assistance. But then there are those that, you know, maybe live on the, the outer edges of the industry, whether within it as a working or just in general, that take a look at us and they're like, well, there's no way they're doing this without help because I can't do it and I'm a man. So there's no way they're <laughs> figuring this out. You know, what they don't understand, this this is our passion. All of us, it's our passion. Like, you talk to April... April can tell you just about anything about long range. Oh, I know. <laughs> you talk to Chrissy. Chrissy can tell you just about anything about how a bow works, the physics of it, like the shot, everything. Like that's just her, that's her realm, you mm-hmm. know. Like, but 
what they don't get to see and they don't get to, to, to experience from us is that knowledge. They just see what they see on Instagram like, oh, they're, they're, they're cute girls. They're married or they have boyfriends. Obviously, this is why they, they are where they're at, you know. But that's their problem, not, not ours, you know. And I don't know that we'll ever fully get beyond that. But all you can do is just keep plugging away. And with social media and the keyboard warriors where, you know, they're not actually looking you in the eye when they say it, it's hard to say whether social media has helped, hurt, both, or where we'd be if if Facebook and Instagram weren't around now. You know, I mean, I'd still be doing my thing. I still wouldn't mm-hmm. have a clue I was a minority. I mean, I didn't grow up being a minority. I was just, right. I, I was just a hunter and a family. And I yeah. happened to be the only girl in the family, so I just figured... I'm the only girl, so that's why I'm the only girl in no camp, you know? <laughs> so all the other girls are out doing it. So I just, you know, there's so much more exposure and negative and otherwise on social media. So I, I, I'd be curious where we'd be at with, mm-hmm. if, you know, MySpace and Facebook hadn't become a thing. <laughs> I don't know. I have hope. I, I think about, like, our kids' generation, and I think about our boys seeing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think... The generation coming up behind us is going to have more respect. I see a lot more women getting involved. I see girls at my kids' school, way more girls getting involved in hunting now as teenagers than ever. I was the only girl that I knew of that hunted yeah. in my school. Um, but now, I mean, that's that's a, a thing for these girls to get out there. And I think it's because women like us have, have kind of broken that, that glass ceiling and, um, you know, kind of set the, the standard and, and not made it weird and... Um, kind of normalized it. I don't know. I, I think there's hope. I think about, like, my kids and their friends. I mean, they think it's so cool yeah. that that Gage's mom goes out and hunts and some of their other moms do too. And, they, and they're their biggest supporters. So I think by doing the things that we're doing and modeling the behaviors and teaching our boys that, yeah, women can actually get out there and, and do these things. Um, but I also try and hold myself to, like, a really high standard. Um, so the boys learn to respect women hunters and what we're capable of. And um, I, I think that's going to grow, and I think things like the Raise Them Outdoors camp and the mentorship that you're doing at the schools and the things that you guys are doing with archery, I think it's going to spread. I have a lot of hope for the, for the future and the women coming up behind us. Yeah. I don't think they're going to have the struggles that we do. It's a really, that's my hope. really valid point, too, because just like the two of you, and I'm sure you probably, too, growing up in high school, I missed school. There, nobody else did. I'd come back sharing stories and like you'd hear it from some of the boys, but you'd never hear any of the girls chime in. And I remember the one year, I think it was a sophomore or junior, and this girl named Karina left. And we we're like, where'd she go? And they're like, oh, she's elk hunting. And I was like, she's elk hunting. She's elk hunting. <laughs> <laughs> did we just become best friends? <laughs> I need to know her more. You know, but it was just like, I never, I never really thought too much about it, even though there were jokes and kind of you know off the cuff things at some point from the hunting parties that we would meet up with like oh there's a girl in camp camp or why'd you bring a girl or whatever I never really I never took it to heart I never took it to heart I was just there I was there putting meat on the pole just like everybody else was and I never questioned it I never even knew that it was strange right or different or unconventional until later into my 20s until I had a boyfriend that went like whoa you want to do what that's really weird and I thought well I'm gonna have to rethink my choice (laughs) of men because this is weird that you don't support it you know but it's I do think that there is hope for it as much as hunting as a whole is kind of fizzling out 
there is a really strong representation of it as far as these specific demographics that I think will take it higher for sure. I hope a piece of this has resonated with you as far as women in the outdoors and what it means, because I know we all have very unique driving forces for why we choose to hunt or be in the outdoors or be a part of conservation or represent ourselves or associate in a specific way. So I hope that this gives a little bit of insight. Again, I think we all have kind of different perspectives on using a stereotype or jumping into a bandwagon. And Amy brings up a really good point in the discussion that we just had, you know, what is a huntress? It's a female hunter. And whether or not you want to use that or strongly dislike it, I think it's a really positive reminder to Go about life and do your thing in a way that makes you happy. You have to live with your your own choices and you have to do the things that make you feel good, that, that help your family out or that elevate where your life goes. So no matter if you want to jump into this, you know, uh, association or if you want to be on the far other side of it, I think it's just an important reminder to do your thing, to be good, to have fun, to enjoy life, to live passionately, to be respectful and to be classy in doing it. We are all together in this. We stand unified as hunters and we stand together as women in the outdoors. This next conversation that we're all going to jump into is about just how to nurture your kids' love for being outside, for being a part of the hunt, and just kind of little subtle ways, if you will, of getting them more involved, getting them outside. And Chrissy gives some really fun context to getting her son involved. And um, when you hear her story in part three of this series, you're going to hear her talk about taking this gorgeous mule deer that they called Route 65. Her son actually named it Jesse. He's the cutest thing ever. And uh, they're going to dive into that story. But this is going to be a fun way that you can learn more or maybe just relate to other mamas about how to get your kids involved and get them in the field having the time of their life. But real quick, before we jump into this next piece, I want to take a minute to give a shout out to those who are leaving a review, your guys' feedback on Facebook, on the, the Her Inspired Journey Facebook page, as well as on the podcast apps that you're listening on have been immensely appreciated. And I can't tell you again, just how grateful I am to have you guys chiming in to just engaging. Let me know what you feel, what you want to hear and exactly how much the show means to you. So this uh, listener review is coming from Goblin Queen. This is uh, titled Women Empowering Women. It's rated five stars. And this review says all of the outdoor and fitness podcasts I listen to are by men. And it's so refreshing to finally find one by a woman for women. A lot of men don't realize we operate differently than they do. Can't wait to binge through all the past episodes. Thank you for all of your work. I appreciate that very, very much. And again, thanks to everybody who takes time to leave a review. I know it is a pause in your day, but it does greatly impact the show. It helps us spread this message to other women and to other men. I'll tell you what, there are a lot of you listening in, which has been really awesome. Whether they want to admit it or not, it's great to have them tuning into the show as well. I also want to give a shout out to Backcountry Fuel Box. Um, these are a really great way to set yourself up for next adventures as far as your meal prepping and planning goes. 
I know that you've heard me talk about them a lot on the podcast before. You've probably already seen them on social or maybe you're getting their subscriptions. But if you are not, Backcountry Fuel Box is a super cool way of trying out new foods. They've got meals, they've got bars, they have hydration packets, they have snack options. And the great thing about their box is it comes on membership. You can do it one month or you can subscribe for the year. There's no minimum. There's no maximum. You get it. It's 33 bucks a month. It comes to your door. I think it ships out on the 15th and you get a wide variety of different things to try. And if you find something that you really like, they also offer an extended discount to order more of that specific item at sometimes a 20 or 30% discount. So it's a really good way to try new things so you don't have to commit before you buy. You can find more about their membership and they're offering you a discount of 10% on your orders every single month if you use the code HERINSPIRED at checkout. So head over to backcountryfuelbox.com and see what they've got going on. Maybe you can even subscribe your hunting partner for Christmas. Now let's jump right back into today's podcast episode. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's, it's super important to note too, though, just like you were talking about with like raising kids, whether they're sons or daughters, we're all trying to not only um, support the next generation of hunting or outdoorsmen, even if they never hunt, you know, if mm-hmm. they're just being a part of, you know, conservation, wildlife, public lands, whatever it is, um, it's important to be able to do that. But I also think that being a parent, whether you're a mom or a dad or a step-parent or whatever, there's a different feeling. There is for me anyways, when I go into a hunt, uh, whether it's in-state, out-of-state, a weekend, a week, whatever it is, there's so much more I feel obligated to provide in that, like, it's like this ROI. If I'm going to be away, if somebody else is going to be with my kids, if I'm going to miss doing homeschool or a wrestling tournament, I need to show for it. And there's a lot of success Mm -hmm. that you can have outside of notching a tag But just like with my deer the other day, I wasn't even going to shoot this doe. But I had gone out. I had missed opening weekend sitting in a tree stand for two days and missed my son's first wrestling tournament of the year, which are sacrifices that you get to choose to make if you're a hunter or if you're working out of town or whatever it is. But at some point, I've always had this connection with where I look at what I'm doing and what I'm bringing back to my family. And I'd be interested to hear your guys' feelings because, you know, I think the word guilt gets thrown around a lot, but I know personally I experience that a lot, whether it's gone for hunting or gone for work. I feel like I need to make sure I'm maximizing whatever that experience or time is because it's taking away from the best part of my life, which is my kids. Do you guys feel that same thing when you're hunting? I do, especially when Jesse was younger. Um, there was a lot of guilt associated with that. And I can't even remember who it was, but they had an interesting perspective on it that I've taken with me ever since. They said, you know, we have kids, not so that we can cater to their every need and do what they want. Or, you know, we're, we're raising humans. We're ra- we, they need to see that we're out following our dreams, that we're out working hard. And if, if you lose sight of your passions just because you have kids, I don't feel like that's the best example. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you're not 
you're not doing them any favors by giving up on your dreams just because you have kids. You, you can't raise your dream your kids to pursue their passions mm-hmm. and exactly. love who they are and and take comfort in the things that they love and then totally disregard your things because you had kids. Mm-hmm. But and do as I at say, the same time, historically, women have been asked to put their passions aside for the good of their children, you know? But we're in a different generation. All of us can attest to that. And I can say 100% that my kids would not be interested in the outdoors if I was not. Mm-hmm. Because I had two girls before I had a boy. And my boy's only 22 months old. So my girls are interested in the outdoors because they're interested in what I can do. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, their their dad is their dad. Like, yeah. he's on a pedestal. He's, he's, he's the man that they will hold all other men to. But I'm the one that they emulate. So I have to be really careful about who I am and what I... What I and passionate about and how I act because mm-hmm. those young ladies mm-hmm. are looking to me. And I and I listened to a podcast not too long ago with uh, Jana Waller, and she said that a hundred percent of hunting families, where the mother hunted, the children hunted. Like, 100% of the time, the children hunted if the mother hunted. And it was a much smaller number of just only the father hunted. So. Well, that makes sense. And I and I can't say this is true for all families, but I think sometimes if just the father's hunting, it's, it's like that's his time away, right? It's not a family bond or tradition. And there are some, you know, cases where that's not true. Maybe a father would take his kids and the mom stays home, or maybe there isn't a mom, but um, I think it is definitely more a, of a unified family tradition if both the, the, the pa- both parents are involved in doing that. If it's just one or the other, then I think that you can probably have more of a definitive separation in where those kids go in the future. Well, sure. I think it depends on whether you have girls or boys. Like, April, Tim, and I have talked about the fact that, like, my girls are not there yet. Like, and I I don't push them. Bella's very good at archery, and she's very good at shooting a twenty two. but big guns scare her. Sure. And she's not really strong enough. And so we're just easing her Mm -hmm. into it, you know? Like, she'll get there. Or she won't, Mm -hmm. and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like, I just want her to have the skills so that if she ever needs them, they're there. And the options to choose if you... I don't know about you guys, but I have one child who would hunt with me every day of the week, as boring or as fun as it ever could be, and one that even in the best of times, he's just like, meh, not really feeling it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's really important as a role model or as a parent to not push one way or the other, to lead but not to push. So have you guys experienced those lines where you almost like have to question or check yourself like how much do I want this for them and how much do they want this for themselves? Yes. 100%, especially with my girls. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I wish we had in Oregon that they have in other states is the ability for kids to hunt with crossbows. And veterans to hunt with crossbows. 
because crossbows give young children the opportunity to really learn hunting skills in a way that makes it ethical for them to harvest an animal. For instance, like over in West Virginia, they can they can harvest a deer with a crossbow. And I think that's a much better option. For instance, Bella hates the kick sure. of a gun. It's scary as a it's, kid. It's yeah. scary. Well, it's scary. Like, it's scary as an adult. <laughs> the first time you shoot a 12-gauge, you're like, what just happened? You know? And so... Um, a crossbow is a good option, or for a wounded veteran who can't take the, you mm-hmm. know, turmoil that comes from a gun. I, I would love to see Oregon open up the ability for youth and veterans with disabilities to hunt with crossbows. It's not a guaranteed, as we all know. And uh, it would just definitely open up the the ability for youth and people with sure. disabilities to hunt, mm-hmm. and not just hunt out of their car with a with a rifle. You know, you brought up an interesting point, though. You know, do you want it more than mm-hmm. than your kids do? And I I think I I'm fortunate in that both of my boys they're hardcore, and so we've never <laughs> had to push them into anything. But we almost have the opposite problem where they are so hard on themselves, and if they aren't successful with every tag and every season, I mean, it almost is, you know, they feel like their life is over at that point. And so we've had to, to balance their own expectations of themselves and, and teach them that it's okay to not be successful, and it's okay to come home, you know, with a tag in your pocket sometimes. But it was a hard thing for them to get over, and um, it's, uh, you know, I think we've been hard and critical on ourselves and they pick up on that. And, oh, if mom's frustrated because, you know, she wasn't successful, they have those same high expectations. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it is interesting. It, it really makes me, um, think hard about what I'm, you know, what I'm portraying in front of them yeah. and how hard I'm being on myself because I don't want them having, um, you know, expectations that they're not going to be able to live up to. Well, and her kids are so driven that her youngest, we were telling him about a a hunt that he would be (laughs) applicable for as a lottery draw. And he's like, nope, sounds too easy. And I'm like... (laughs) And he was dead serious. No, he was dead serious. Like, it was an elk hunt on the prairie. And he was like, pretty much like shooting fish in a barrel. (laughs) And And April and I are like... What? <laughs> like, there's like, no such thing as shooting elk in a barrel he's like, ever. I would feel like I earned it, Mom. Even, even on a prairie, it may even be harder because you have zero cover. You know, five hundred eyes on and, you, and you have five hundred eyes on you. And he was like, "Nope, I won't do it." I mean, he's nine. <laughs> And so we we were just I mean we're laughing, but at the same time we're like, really. Like, it's, I and I said, well, when you get to our age, if someone offered you this, you'd be like, oh, thank yes. goodness, an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't like look a gift no. horse in the mouth. No. No this way. is the same kid though when he was mentored on an antelope hunt. <laughs> he shot an antelope buck in the head, and I was like, I said, oh, you got him, and he was like, I know. <laughs> and we get up there, and he's like. Why did you shoot him in the head? And he's like, because I could. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> okay, son. <laughs> oh, they're they're so funny, Jesse. You do a, you play that game of you know it's got to be on their terms. I've had to do just baby steps. It's like okay, we're gonna go out, we're gonna elk hunt for the next twenty minutes until he's cold or tired or hungry. <laughs> hungry. Yeah, but but it's gonna be the greatest twenty minutes of his life because I want him to go out again tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I want him to want to go again, and it's so it, that the confidence a child has, I. I absolutely love it, and I never wanted to lose it. But the first time I handed him a, it was just an Esther's call, and he, he grabbed it, and, and before he before he blew on, he's like, "I'm pretty sure I'm going to be good at this." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I thought it was just my daughter that was overconfident at life. Oh no, oh, and I absolutely love that about him. Like, don't ever lose it, buddy. And, but we could tone it down just a little. <laughs> so you bring up a really good point. And you, from the perspective of kids and not not having, not allowing them or not teaching them to have these great expectations. And maybe I'm the only one in the room, but I would doubt it if this was the case. That I feel... You know, you hear every year and you feel every year and you hear all these things and you smell the smells and you're in nature and you get to just see these amazing things and you think, God, there's so many people that will never experience how freaking cool it is to watch this animal or to see this sunrise or to hear that whatever just happened, you know, just to be in nature. And there's so much joy in that. At the same time, there's never been a tag in my name that I haven't been disappointed if I hadn't filled. (laughs) So, as somebody, and I think as you grow and as you take more animals and as you feel more experienced as a hunter and as you learn through trial and error, your expectation, I think, also goes up, or at least mine has. So, how do you navigate getting to the end of the season, not even navigate, how do you just go through that inevitable roller coaster that you have as a hunter when you end the season, that last 20 minutes of light happens, you're still going, oh, it could happen, we just need one, it just takes one, you know, you're feeling good, you keep that, you keep that healthy perspective, you keep that optimism going, and then that last five minutes, and then that, it ends, right, that season's over, it's done for the year, that the thing that you look forward to is finished. There's this moment of like kicked in the gut that you feel that you don't get to get up and do it again tomorrow. It's a depression. It really is. It's and it hits you hard. Um for me, I I I do get disappointed, but I've hit a point in my life and I get to hunt with so many so much family and friends. That I've grown to, it, it wasn't always this way, trust me. I've had to train myself to feel this way. But if there's been any success in camp, or if the thought of next year, or, you know, I get to go home and tell my son these amazing stories. Because no matter whether you fill a tag or not, whether you bring home meat or not, you're going to bring home stories. Mm-hmm. And, and you you get back and you reflect on it. I've actually started keeping a journal, just quick little notes of funny things that happen that you'll forget about if you don't write them down. And you start writing. Ryan and I will do that. My brother and I will do that on the way home. And it's like pretty soon we have three pages of all these little things that happened. And we're eating tag soup. 
It's like, look at all these things. That was an amazing year. I mean, you know, it's like we almost fell off a cliff. We, you know, we we lit the tent on fire. We, you know, I mean, it's all these. All and these then we laughed. That, and then we laughed a lot. Remember when that bull ran away because we were laughing? Um, so I've, I guess that's become more my focus. And so that when a d- tag does get filled, and they do, um, it's just kind of icing on the cake. Yeah. So, and But that wasn't always the case. It's taken me a lot of years to get to that point. Yeah. But uh, my time with my family and now my kiddo especially, I mean, it, it's a game changer. So I, that's, I'm literally just as excited when somebody else fills a tag. Yeah. As truly. It, I know people say that, but I, I do. I get just excited. The tears start streaming. I love to see somebody else's success. So I think if you focus on that, it makes the disappointment not quite as uh, intense. Yeah. And what you said about getting to experience things that people don't... Um, I, you know, I forget about it all year long until I'm out there in opening morning and it's two in the morning and we're hiking in in the snow and the full moon. And I think, my God, I am so lucky. Like people don't know what they're missing by, by, you know, still being in bed and not pushing themselves and going and exploring and having these, these adventures. And now for for me, it is about those experiences and the adventures and, and that's what I take home. Yeah, it really sucks if I am also bringing home my tag. But, you know, like, like the year before last, when I, I shot that bull in the antler, I went back and I found that bull and I had Jonah with me. And I was like, you know, he was nine. Um, he's ten now, so it was, yeah, he was nine. And, and I'm like, all right, if, if we, you know, run into a spike or a, a bull that you can shoot, I'm going to mentor you. And so we had him out there and spotted that bull again. And um, and he was 500 and 30 yards away so I got set up and Jonah and I are watching and uh I I sent Jonah I needed Tim to do something and uh and Tim was up the ridge and I was like go find your dad you know here I am I'm just watching these elk and Jonah takes off and I I forgot to tell him to like be quiet which I thought (laughs) by this point in his life he should know but he's like whisper yelling like dad (laughs) dad and one by one, I see the cows take off, yeah. the bull whirls and takes off, no shot. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that just, oh, and, you know. And I, instead of being frustrated <laughs> frustrated <laughs> with the kid, I was like, but how cool was that? Like, we right. had such a great morning and getting him out there. And, uh, you know, it, it was this close yes. to happening with him there. And um, he still talks about that. So it's, it's those types of experiences yeah. where I'm like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Last year yep. kind of sucked, but we had such a great time, and and I got to do things. I pushed myself harder and and farther than I ever had before, and it's like I can do this, you well, know. And if somebody told you that your the rest of your life would just just be those experiences, you know, you're gonna go out, you're gonna do this, would it change anything? If somebody told me I was never gonna kill anything again, I would still be sitting in a tree stand trying to rattle in black tail yeah. bucks. I would still be out bugling for elk. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I mean, it just gets your blood pumping. So it it wouldn't matter if I never filled another tag. I'd, it'd still be better than sitting on the couch at home. I was yeah. literally thinking that the other day. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm more than a hunter. Like, it is, I just, I don't even ever care if I pull the trigger or send an arrow on an animal. I literally don't. I want to be here. Yeah. I want to see them. I want to get close. I want to smell them. You know, I want to yeah. do all of those things. Like for me, pulling the trigger has never been my hook into this. Right. Think about the 
very first time you went out hunting, what were your expectations? Were they zero? You had no expectations, right? Like, you literally just went because it sounded fun. Hoping you'd see something. Hoping you'd <laughs> see something. You were, you either wanted to, like, for me, it was, I wanted to spend time with my grandpa. Yeah. He had his coffee <clears throat> and <Yep>. whiskey. <laughs> it was a very long time ago, folks. <laughs> and I had my hot chocolate, and it was yep. literally just about spending time. There were time. zero expectations. So if you take the expectations out of every single hunt, quit bogging yourself down with what you think you should be or need to be or need to fill or the tag. Mm -hmm. Just be there to be there. So when I went on this elk hunt, it was the very first elk hunt I went on with zero expectations. And when they were sitting there in my wall tent the night before, her and Tim and my husband, hashing over where we should go, I had zero input on it because I had zero expectations. I would literally go wherever they wanted to go. And I didn't care. And I had made the decision that no matter what, a branch bull walked out, if I had the opportunity, I was going to shoot it. It didn't matter what it was. I was not picky. And so I relieved myself of all of these expectations. And I think with social media, we have these expectations of what we should be as hunters or what we need to be to be quote-unquote hunters. No, 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 no. There's no need or should. You are who you are, and you hunt for your purposes, if you hunt to feed your family, then you kill what you want to kill. There are people out there that hunt for trophies, and it is important to them that they kill the biggest and the best. Great for them. I will never judge. But do not judge the others that use their tags the way that they want to use them. You know? And I was so incredibly humbled by the fact that, like, we came upon these elk and... April turned around and goes, shoot it, because she knew how important it was to me, and I didn't care. And to me, that is like the best friendship that I could ever have. And I told Ty, I said, I feel so incredibly blessed and gifted by God to have met her, because mm -hmm. I literally prayed for a friend that I could share these things with. Super cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And I cry. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You know, and this day forward, the way I hunt, and maybe it's because I'm 40 now, <laughs> and I hunt the way I want to. I will no longer be held captive to anybody else's needs, wants, or demands. I do what I need for my family, and I hunt my tag the way that I want to hunt it, you know? You should hunt the way you want to. You should hunt the way that you want to. Woman or man, we do what we want. Yeah. And that's this society. And the rest of them, who cares? I have no expectations for you or you or you. No matter what you kill, I am always proud of you because you're doing it your way. It's a very powerful message. And it. even when there isn't a kill. 
And even when there's not. <laughs> you celebrate each other. No, I mean, if you yeah. go out into the woods and you have a great time, hey, yeah, let's go have dinner and talk about it. <laughs> let's eat tag let's soup, eat tag together, soup together, together because I've done it a lot. And you'll, and you'll show up with some kind of wine? Um, <laughs> it's usually Wagner. German. How do you pronounce that? Wagner. Wagner, okay. Mm, it's German for wine. <laughs> <laughs> looks suspiciously French, it, but it's it pronounced does. in German. It looks like the Voignier. It looks empty. <laughs> Those idiots. Those idiots. Uh, they'll get it right someday. <laughs> Made by Anheuser Busch. <laughs> Sold at Fine. Fort Collins. Clearly, you can tell we had a ton of fun getting together, having a little bit of wine and sharing some stories and just catching up on life and what it means to be a woman in the outdoors. This episode is going to be cut here, but it is going to be a three part series. In part two, you're going to hear from Amy and from April as they talk about their very recent bull hunt and how exactly it went down. It's so awesome, and it was great to just see how happy they were. You could tell that these ladies had just spent some quality time in the outdoors together. Then in part three, we get to hear from Miss Chrissy Hay about exactly how she shot the biggest buck of her lifetime. She's calling this buck Route 65, aptly named after her son decided this was gonna be her target buck. And the story and how it unfolded, who she got to share it with, and how it all went down is incredible. There's also a very, very emotional video that uh, Chrissy's boyfriend Stacy took as they were tracking and as she got to actually lay hands on this buck and it'll just bring you to tears. It's so cool. You can feel her emotion and I'll definitely be sure to put that up on our Instagram page, Her Inspired Journey. So if you're not following that, please do. And these episodes are going to roll out over the next few days as bonus episodes. So these are going to come out more quickly than other episodes. I hope that you enjoy them. Be sure to reach out to them. I will link to all three of these ladies in the show notes so you can connect with them, see more on their feed, and hear more about what they've got going on. Thanks again for tuning in. Well, ladies, that does it for this show for today. I hope that you found some inspiration some good advice and definitely some encouragement to take with you on the rest of your week. I'm already looking forward to coming back next week and giving you some more insight, some inspiration, and some tips on how to navigate your best life. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Your feedback is so important to me. I would love to know the questions that you have, any topics or ideas, and your feedback. You are so valuable to me, and I really appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and subscribe to the show. See you next week on Her Inspired Journey.